Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler. We try to gather each and every week to dissect the Word and the world. (laughs) And um, you continued in our Believe series, John 13, we're trucking through, right? 13 through 38, the story of Judas, specifically, and the topic of betrayal, which we talked about uh, pretty deeply last week. But on the subject of betrayal, I have a, another betrayal story um, that has <laughs> presented itself this week. So the betrayal happened this week or you became aware of it this week? No, it happened to me this yeah. week over the weekend. And I'm a feeling of the effects of it this week. Uh, so I've, one of my goals is to be a good steward of the land I've been provided, that I've been given by the Lord. <laughs> You know, being a good steward is that are you like a like a suburban <laughs> the one acre that I live on the lawn yeah and I've talked about it before I like the garden I like to I like a freshly cut yard straight lines are important to me um weeds around the base of my trees are important to me mm. like I just like it clean cut it's like the one thing in my life I can control is my yard and how it looks, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, for the most part, which is where the story of betrayal comes from, when I I began to take out some weeds around a tree mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in about 60 seconds into beating back nature, I realized I was in the thick of some poison ivy, of which has manifested itself uh, this week, and I am I'm a bit irritable because I've got it all over me. So it's not just your wrist. It's it's on my it's definitely on my right my right arm, um, but it is matriculated its way over to my left arm. Sorry, and somebody very, somebody Google matriculated in various parts of me. Uh, so I feel <laughs> I feel betrayed. Sorry, various parts of me leave so much up to the imagination. <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. Okay. Um, okay. I feel betrayed by the land. Like, I'm trying to be a good steward yeah. of it, you know, and be responsible. And, and then you were assaulted by I your- was assaulted by my own my own property. And so anyway, that's all I could go through my mind the past couple of days is this sense of betrayal. <laughs> and I'm mad about it. I'm irritable. I'm itchy. I'm scratchy. And I've tried all, all the things. I'm literally bandaged up right now. Like, if this was alive uh, with video, you would see how ridiculous I look. Here's what I'm excited about. I want you to forward every email that we get, you get, with a with a tip for poison ivy, because <laughs> that's gonna happen. You know, I've, I've, you know, of course, my wife had some natural remedies ready. Um, like what I, would that be? Like spreading margarine on it? Like what? It's close. Some reason somehow she had this anti poison ivy bar of soap. I don't know if it was given to her or where it came from, but it was somehow in the cabinet with instructions printed on a piece of paper. Poison ivy soap. Like, what is this? What was it? It's some sort of soap with lard in it, and you're supposed to wash with it and then apply it 
certain way and certain times, and I've got it. So it's like a bar of Crisco? Kind of, yeah. I mean, it lathers really good. Is it scented? It had scent to it, yeah. It was like a lavender scent. But I got a report back. Didn't it ain't to, working. I was going to say, it didn't seem to work. It feels like somebody just took your wife's money. So I think it was gifted to her, probably by grandma, if I'm being honest. And so <laughs> I've moved on to like the strong stuff, like all the way, the, all the chemicals you can imagine, all, you know. Yeah, full frontal. Yeah, like the, war. Yeah. like all the granola, all of our granola friends are going to be disappointed in me because I've resorted to like deep chemical uh, application at this point. Yeah, I fully support that. I'm all about uh, natural until I'm sick, and then I just want it done. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I have, I have. you should see my book bag in my office. I have a full arsenal of weaponry. Um, so far, I'm losing. Yeah, well, I mean, it's already in your system. So, Gosh. I mean. so betrayal <laughs> has been a topic of conversation um, this week, and so... You continued this topic a little bit. In yeah. The I mean, Judas story. Yeah. I mean, the Judas story it definitely is betrayal, right? But it's deeper. It's about yeah. sin. Like it's literally the, the sin that Judas had in his heart that he uh, allowed to grow, that he invited in, like his own little poison ivy just growing out of his... Yeah. And it, 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 it oozes out. Yeah. One way or the other, which is what I'm experiencing today. Yeah, there is some oozing, isn't there? Ugh. It's yeah. like, a, like you caught a case of leprosy from your tree, man. That's what it kind of looks but, like right now. But, you know, it's funny. The segue is pretty brilliant because, you know, when you own any land at all in Tennessee, it's so different than California or Wyoming. It's a battle against nature every day. Yeah. Like the, the, the natural world just creeps and crawls in, you know, through weeds, through vines. and It's undefeated. Oh. Have you ever seen those pictures 100%. of uh, Olympic parks? Like, mm. you know, like where they have the Olympics, the Summer Olympics, you know, na name that city from 30 mm -hmm. years ago, and it's been abandoned, and nature has completely taken it over. Unrecognizable. 100%. Yeah. And that's the th you know, thing with our sin nature is yeah. that it, if you don't stay on top of it, there's nothing to do with your salvation. It's everything to do with your sanity. And if you don't stay on top of it, it will beat you down. It will. And Tennessee is the, the I mean, I literally, in my backyard, <laughs> we back up to woods. Yeah. And somehow vines grow with roots in the ground. Somehow they're connected six feet up into the air to a tree. Amazing. And I don't know how they do it. I don't know if they drop down and put roots in from the top or if they're growing. I don't know. And of course, they've got thorns for days, and you know I'm. It, we, we're, so there's a creek right along the back of our yard, and uh, a little wooded area. And if we don't stop, you know, hold the line, it will creep into our like our grass. Like it's yeah. amazing what can grow. We, we, the stuff I want to grow can't keep it alive, but. These random, you know, weeds. It happens so fast, so quickly. It's like yeah. I, I, like I mow my yard and weed the garden, and I turn around like forty-eight hours later. I'm like, I, I was just out there. Like, did I not just, not just mow the yard? Right. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Buford and Jane have a house on their property, a family in our church. That um, I don't know. It's it was it's built like in the 1800s. Cool. Um, 
yeah, probably haunted, maybe. But it's such an example of, you can see it, but it's literally trees growing through the middle of it. Like, I don't know how a tree... I planted three trees because my wife, I don't know what it's about. She loves to plant, let me rephrase it. She loves me to plant trees. Mm. Um, I can't keep the ones we want alive, but the, you, so they, there's one growing through a house in the middle of, uh, of Buford's land. Like, how does that even happen? Like a tree growing through the house. But it's undefeated, it, just like our sin nature is. And that was, I mean, it was the angle that I, I was taking, which is, I mean, I don't know if it was the most well thought out for Mother's Day, but it is what it is. I mean, it was, it was the word we were in, and that was the verses we needed. Um, but I definitely felt like, man, I don't want to be a buzzkill for Mother's Day here, but, um, what do you think, what do you think, I don't know if you got to this specifically concerning Judas, what do you think the, the root, what was the seed of sin for him? Greed, um, was a selfishness. What was that seed that dropped into him that took root, that took over? I mean, if you try to extrapolate human nature, which is, this is all conjecture because ultimately the Bible doesn't tell us other than the progression. It started with this, you know, started, Satan put something in his heart and resulted in Satan entering his heart. There was a moment where there's no turning back now. He he had cultivated it. The vines had taken over. The only thing left to do was to bulldoze, you know, the house. You couldn't, couldn't save it. Um, but if you extrapolate like just human nature, even in that passage, John refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loves. John was closest to him. Peter, James, and John got to go be on the mountain. You should never underestimate the power of jealousy in someone's heart, all of our hearts, and what it can do, the lies that it tells to us. And so I... That's very, very, very possible that he was blinded, that it started from that. Why did James and John and Peter get to go on the mountain? They're jerks, man. I'm over here working my butt off. I'm doing the books, handling the money. Um, most times, the, the reason I say that, this is the extrapolation that I would make. When someone is stealing, it's either A, because they're you know not good with their own money, or B, because they think they're entitled to it because they are not it was unfair that like there's somewhere deep inside of them that I deserve this and I didn't get it. And so I'm going to take it. Um, very possible that that was part of Judas's story. Cause they, we know just from the chapter before that he was stealing from the books. Um, the, you know, a whole lot easier back then. There was no, you know, there's no QuickBooks. It was all yeah cash based. Um, and ironic that, you know, Matthew, the guy that was the tax collector who made a living off of stealing. And Judas, here's the guy that uh, we don't know a ton about, but we know that he was actually stealing from, from Jesus with it. So, yeah, I, part of me thinks it just started in that, in that, just the seeds of jealousy. Like, why do they get to do all this? Why do I? Um, and as far as betraying him, that moment had to be because he just didn't buy it. Like he wasn't believing for whatever reason, what everybody else saw so clearly he didn't see because he sold him out, um, sold out his friend, sold out all of his friends. I mean, he didn't know that they would just stop with Jesus. You know, that was a betrayal against Jesus, but it was a betrayal against everybody who's sitting in that room. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. His friends. Yeah. The whole team. Mm-hmm. 
which is, you know, fascinating when Jesus, a new command I give you that you love one another. He's who's the one another looking in this room. You guys are going to need each other, man. The 11 of you, they're going to be left here. You got to love one another as I have loved you selflessly. What was, do you know what the significance was of the 30 pieces exactly? Was there, is there any tie in there or any, any symbolism there? There are lots of conjectures about it. And the answer is nobody knows. Okay. There's biblical um, about it's like the price of uh, of a slave uh, value of a slave. I think I can't. Yeah. There's some Old Testament uh, ideas around thirty and thirty pieces, um, and obviously specifically that you know pieces of silver. That's how Joseph was betrayed. I mean, this, this is a silver was a currency for betrayal. Oh, interesting. You know, we rail on Judas quite a bit here. Um, well, his own fault, <laughs> but yeah. you know, Peter's right behind him. Mm-hmm. Satan get behind me. I mean, this you know, Peter had the same exact same language from Jesus. You know, Satan ha- had put some stuff in Peter's heart, but yeah, he's sitting right there next to him. And I, I believe that Judas had the opportunity to repent along the way. Um, it's for another podcast to talk about the the sovereignty, right? Mm-hmm. Predestination. Other than we know that God is fair and God is just, and so, but but we know that part of that is he he wills that none would perish, right? And so that would include Judas. So Judas had the same opportunity that Peter had, and Peter was a way better candidate for for betrayal, yeah, than than Judas. But Peter did what Judas could have or should have, which is actually receive the sacrifice that Christ made, like receive the identity that Jesus gave him, not continue to make his own way, his, his own path. Yeah, I mean, we're getting ahead of the story just a little bit here, but obviously there's there's two instances of betrayal, one Peter, one Judas, and you can see the different paths that they took. Judas ultimately taking his own life, mm-hmm. um, it just consumes him. Peter in the rest of the story obviously repents and the the story of Peter in the church, the early church that is built off of him and that exists today mm-hmm. is the other route. Yeah. And there's something to that that's worth camping on. Like there's something about purity and power that are connected as far as God's power. You know, it's just once again, saved by grace, not by works, 100%. But when you look at the early church, there was something about their repentance, about them holding the line on living godly lives that was directly connected to the power of God demonstrating it inside of them Yeah, with it. And so, you know, Peter's repentance was, I would say, uh, wholly necessary to oh yes the calling that was ahead of him right yeah. and it's no different today like we that is a hundred percent necessary in our lives that you know uh, what John Bevere's new book and tour and everything's talking about is that you know he God only lays out one requirement or one what uh, description of the church that he's re- returning for and it's a holy church yeah um and, you know, we've certainly lost, which is a little bit of what I touched on on Sunday, was that we've sort of lost the idea that uh, 
by, by framing everything as a disease or a sickness or a struggle or a mistake, we've lost the weight of what sin is, yes. what it does to us, and how it affects our, our lives. Yeah. You know, ultimately leads to destruction in our lives. And so it's not that God is being a, a giant buzz kill. He just knows. And, you know, when, when you go to the commands, the laws of God, I mean, how many was, you know, Judas violating, right? He's coveting, he's stealing, he, you know, he probably thought those were victimless crimes and, and they're just not, they just, just like poison ivy, man, they're going to grow up that tree. And if you don't catch it at the beginning, it, it, it grows out of control. And ultimately, I mean, we had to, when we moved into our, our house in College Grove, we had to hire Jace Cave to come over because our builder didn't clear like the last quarter, I don't know, of our lot. And I mean, it took, this is a professional guy with a truck, a trailer, a dump, the whole thing, chainsaws. It took him the better part of two days to mm-hmm. clear just the amount of, it wasn't like there was any giant trees. It was just a bunch of crap growing yeah. wild in it that had never been cared for before. And now our job, you know, daily, I was out there yesterday, you know, spraying, trimming, cleaning, because it, it will grow back. And if, you know, like you said with houses, I mean, you, you give it five years and no one's there, it's, nature is undefeated in that way. Our sin nature is undefeated unless we stay on top of keeping it, keeping it beat back. And Judas didn't do that. And it's one of the reasons why it's so important for us to go back and recognize God's design, that it's best, that it's for our flourishing. Yes, there, these are laws that you know we violate, but if we just keep it in the violation of laws, I, God's laws are not arbitrary or capricious. There's a reason why we have red lights, right? For our safety. Yeah, there's nobody being a buzzkill, even though sometimes you're sitting there going, oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, I'm sitting at this light. This is killing my day. You know, the truth is without red lights, we'd be killing each other on a, on a regular basis. So that's... These laws are not a buzzkill. Every law that God put in place, none of them are arbitrary or capricious. Even going into the old covenant, don't eat shellfish. They didn't have refrigerators. You know, they didn't know about salmonella, but God did. (laughs) This is going to, you know, pile drive your colon, man. Don't do that. You'll get killed. So into this world we're in now, it's one of the reasons why in society we've spoken up a lot. In regards to that, I mean, one of our friends, Kirk Cameron, is in the news right now because he's. I mean, what kind of a crazy world are we in right now where saying that I don't think a grown man dressed as a woman sitting in a library reading to children, I don't think he should be able to do that? Like, that's not a stretch. Like, you, right. can, you can see how we came to these conclusions. But Kirk Cameron saying this out loud frames him as a bigot, a transphobe, all the phobes. Yeah, I mean, uh, so so last week he, in an interview, he um, was talking about this and he was, he was really calling out the public school system. He was painting a very broad stroke, just saying, um, generally speaking, our, our government-funded public school systems, um, that there's a, there's, there are nefarious forces at play here and there, and the, the, and that there is an indoctrination to remove God, replacing him with progressive socialist and communist ideas, quote unquote. And he got railed Jeez. for saying that and um, basically labeled as a, 
a far-right extremist. That's what was trending on Twitter last week, that his ideas of calling out the possibility that our government-funded schools um, are indoctrinating kids with a progressive socialist communist ideology, him stating that uh, observation yeah. was viewed as far-right. Which is... You remember in John 10 or 11, crud, I don't remember now, 12, when the blind man is healed and the, the, all the people are like angry at him and they're, you know, and they just won't let it go. Like, yeah. And it finally he's like, look, all I know is I was blind and I can see. And, and they, in, instead of continuing the argument, it says that they insulted him. They just started calling him names. Mm. And it's one of the age old tricks of Satan, which is if he can't defeat you in an argument, he'll defeat you in an insult contest. Mm-hmm. And um, tacking on things like transphobe or you know homophobe, because uh, that's when you when you've gone there, we're no longer having a conversation about the the real question, right? Which is, should a kid be allowed uh, to be indoctrinated with, uh, well, secular but perverted worldview? Um, there's a a, a a thing this morning from libs of, of TikTok that NBC News is upset that a parent filed a police report on a middle school teacher for reading an LGBTQ book to students. Uh, this was in Illinois. Now, for some reason, this is from the libs of TikTok. They didn't provide examples from the book, NBC, right, which the teacher showed to students. And I wonder why it teaches how to have gay sex and use sex apps. Like, so a parent is filing a lawsuit against, and a 100% good use of, of litigation. And NBC News is reporting this as, uh, you know, this is about banning books. And, and they refer to this quote, quote as a best-selling LGBTQ-themed book. Um, so they're defending it. 100%. NBC News is like, ah, this is. And, you know, literally, you know, page uh, 171 of this book is part one, quote, boy-on-boy sex. And it gives all the parts and where they go. Like t- Fifth graders. Fifth graders. Elementary school. For the love of all that's holy, pun intended, that's insanity. And, and, and you know, when it comes to framing, you know, maybe Kirk was painting in a broad brush because we have many people in our world that work in public education here at locally and as long as they are capable of doing so, you know, without violating their conscience, man, we, we want and we need and desire Christian voices, you know, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like Daniel, right? Like being in the yeah, world. Because the fact of the matter is there are fifth grade teachers out there that aren't going to read that. 100%. They're going to protect their kids from this ideology. Right. And so, but on the other hand, you know, school boards... Um, I mean, even our own local, you know, there's a, there's an organization here in town called Williamson Strong. Have you heard of this? Williamson Strong. I don't know. Um, I'm pulling it up here. Uh, So they've, they framed themselves as established in 2014 by local parents who know public schools are the backbone of society. We dislike extremists. We are now a pack to support local public ed candidates. Okay. Now, I know the two people that are 
that have founded this organization, both of them professing Christians, both of them saying that you and I saying stuff like this, politically speaking, we shouldn't talk about because, we, you know, pastors shouldn't talk about oh boy, politics or whatever. And so they framed this initially as about race, about um, history and equity and inclusion. But their Twitter feed is full of talking about, you know, framing um, uh, sex education, LGBT. They're literally throwing LGBT alphabet in the same level as as racial reconciliation, as systemic racism. And so, so it all gets lumped into that with it. And so I would say, well, I, we do say, because it's true, if they get to have a voice on what is moral and what it, and, and, and to, you know, frame it under virtue and equity and inclusion and, and Christianity, we sure as heck can as well. Um, we happen to have completely different view. I would argue that the view that we are holding, especially when it comes to, to sexual integrity, is is biblical. Like there's no, you can't make an argument any other way biblically. You you can, but it doesn't hold any water. It's just it's like someone, you know, pulled the drain on your argument the minute you started with it. If you're trying to say that the Bible endorses um, same sex or gender changing. Well, it's interesting because the um, Anti-Defamation League, the ADL, they they give a definition to right, right-wing extremism. And it, it, it basically lines up with what you're describing here with this group. They're, they would say right-wing extremism is usually defined as a specific ideology characterized by anti-democratic opposition towards equality which is what that group is saying, that these things need to be equal. Race, gender ideology, sexual orientation, that they're underrepresented, that they deserve equality across the board. So to counter that would make us, we would be then defined as extremists, right-wing extremists. It associates, it goes on to say, it associates, uh, it is associated with racism, xenophobia, exclusionary nationalism, conspiracy theories, and authoritarianism. Jeez. So by those definitions, uh, and even with our federal government, the Department of Homeland Security would say that we are right-wing extremists. Yeah, I um, remember that it's been a few years back when they, uh, when they were coming after Chick-fil-A. Yeah. And how dare they? How dare they? It was probably the best thing that ever happened at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Do you remember that? People were like lined up around the block. All Every Chick-fil-A in the nation was just lined up. with As if it isn't already. But their accusations from Daily Beast and BuzzFeed and all that was that they were funding, quote, hate groups. Yeah. Uh, as defined by Anti-Defamation League. And those hate groups were, if I'm remembering this right, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Right. And a, uh, a camp that helps rehab drug-addicted kids with it. Like that was in under anti-defamation. Like that means that what they're saying, the Anti-Defamation League, is that you and I, and I think the Southern Center for Law and Poverty, whatever, would say this, like they're same definition. Um, and that makes Christians like us 
hate groups. It literally is what they're saying. That's right. And I know that that comes as a surprise to some people. But there's a reason why for the last 25 to 30 years, everybody from, you know, Katie Couric back in the 90s and Matt Lauer to, you know, modern day, you know, Chuck Todd, look at Christians with a sense of disgust and because they've bought the narrative 100%. And so they view Christians as uh, as a hate group. Like it's, but that's literally the language. That's why they, they list that in that, you know, that it's a, that we're, we're a hate group. And what gets us labeled as a hate group, which is why going back to Jesus and these 10, you know, 11 disciples now, is they're being framed in the same way. You know, Jesus is spoiling the fun of the Pharisees. He's spoiling the fun of Rome. And when, when John the Baptist goes to Herod and says, man, you can't kill your wife and marry your niece. That's, that's a horrible, perverted thing to do. You know, there are consequences for that. He was obviously beheaded for that. You know, we will have consequences. And it's why it's important that we love each other. And it's why it's important that we hold the line on the weeds in our own lives. You know, it's, it, it, we, we are not going to be able to come at this as, hey, we're doing this perfectly. Um, but the fact is, is, look, when it comes to the big ticket items, it's easy for us to get caught up in the excitement because it's such a neat, for me, it's, this is like fish in a barrel. Grown man dressed in a woman, I can stand in front of the mayor and alderman of Franklin, Tennessee and say an organization that supports this has not earned the trust of this city. And I have no hesitation, no regrets, and no apologies for that. And in Christendom, our own marriages, our own sin, uh, we could get so caught up with that. It's like, it's almost like... um, in the Old Testament, it's exactly what it's like. Every time a, a king would be installed, there'd be a good king, and he would do away with all of the the Baal, uh, the idols, the you know the, the bads. But almost inevitably, the king, even the good, especially the good ones, would not deal with the high places. They were these little outposts of Moloch and Baal, and up in the mountains, they were out of out of sight, out of mind, and. It's over and over again. You'll see that in Kings, Chronicles. But he did not, he left the high places there. He didn't deal with the high places. And it's like then the, the, the slide happens in Israel. So they did all the big ticket stuff, but they didn't deal with the stuff that was sneaky and hidden away. And that would become their downfall. And in American Christianity, and I would even say global right now, the sexual sin in our own marriages, whether it's through pornography or affairs, whether, you know, um, a, a physical abuse for whatever the, the stuff that's happening in Christian marriages, that is just as much of a sin and probably just as dangerous uh, as it is these big ticket items, because these are the ones we actually can control. Like yeah. in Babylon, Franklin approved this, the pride event in spite of the fact that they didn't apologize, didn't admit they were wrong, nothing. Um, I obviously couldn't control that, but I can control how I treat my wife. I can control how I father my children. And so if I'm all focused on that and I don't focus on what's going on at home, um, Satan has entered my heart at some point as well. Like it's, none of us are immune from this. Really good reminder. That is a really good reminder because I've, I, I see and um, I, I hear conversations of people 
get really frustrated and, and discouraged about how everything's out of control and what can we do to help and, 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 you know, these rallying cries and what I feel like I find myself and ourselves reminding others is, man, start at home. Yes. Well, first of all, start on your own garden of your own heart and then, and then into your, your spouse and then to your kids, like start in your home, your own uh, dominion there, your, your own home, your own house. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the great hope we have right now is again, whether or not whatever was happening, you know, in Babylon, Daniel was still Daniel, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, they were still who they were. Again, there are consequences for them. And so we can't discount that that's, it's reasonable that they hated me. They hate, you know, remember if they hate you, they hated me first, Jesus said. But if we, it's like the, uh, if the bills are coming due on postmodernism, and they are. Oh, gosh. The amount of hardcore card-carrying government-certified USDA-approved liberals that are talking out against the nonsense of the woke world, the, you know, they're talking about it. But if we don't have, you know, if, if we don't have something that looks desirable, and by the way, the, the way that God designed the family, if it's working, if you're working it, is a very desirable thing, like yeah. very desirable. And when someone's looking up to say, okay, well, this one didn't work. I'm over here, you know, like it happened in the Jesus revolution in the seventies, the free sex movement, the bills came due and, you know, instead of getting free love, they got, you know, herpes and AIDS. Yeah. Uh, they started looking around going, okay, well, what's, what's true? What's, and for them, it, you know, for, the, for them, I just had a Peter Brady moment. For them, <laughs> going through puberty at 52, right in front of your eyes. Um, it, it, you know, they, they found themselves going to Jesus because of free love was not about what I can get from you, but, but about what Jesus did for us. Like that was very compelling and continues to be. For us, if we're going to say that God's design for marriage, one natural born male, I didn't even used to have to say natural born, but one natural born male, one natural born female, lived out properly, lived out in Christ's will, like loving my wife as Christ loves the church. That's a very compelling, desirable thing for someone to, to say, okay, this is that, that works. And I'm 29 years in and I can tell you, uh, God's way is awesome. Like 29 years in, if we'd have quit 15 years in, we'd have never had what we have today, you know? And there are moments, especially in the music business where my wife, you know, could have, should have. I mean, I, here's the thing. I mean, I, I think I said this, we were in therapy last year and I, I went into it going, telling the therapist, look, man, I've, I've never, you know, I'm, I'm not having sex with my secretary. I don't beat her. I don't yell. You know, we, and, and the, the lady was like, yeah, that's great. You've set yourself, that bar is so low. Do you see how low <laughs> that is, Darren? Like you don't get an attaboy for doing what you're supposed to do. Right. You know, that's, that's such a low bar for marriage. Um, but the fact is, is that, you know, there are moments like when I thought I'm over here killing it and Shannon's like, yeah, you're killing me. So, you know, mm -hmm. if you're going to get on that tour bus, that's great. I mean, you know, who knows if I'll be here when you get back. Yeah. Um, but we push through and, you know, hopefully the example we set for our children, for our children's children, is that this is what it was meant to be. This is how God designed it. Everything else is an aberration. Everything else is a perversion. And staying the, the course uh, with marriage, not letting that infiltrate us, 
yes, we need to be speaking of this stuff politically. We need to be more people in city council and mayors and aldermen. And the fact is, like I said, go back to Williamson Strong. These guys are fully attempting to do this. This is 100%. They're not making any secret about this. They want to elect school board members that will carry on this, saying that, that, that a book that, that tells a fifth grader gay, uh, guy on guy sex is, that's what, a, what school boards around the country are saying. And we have a chance to repent of not being involved and getting involved, taking one for the team and speaking into that. But if we do that without taking care of our own stuff at home, it's a waste of time. It's the, it's the idea of the nuclear family. Right. The nuclear family, that word is just talking about the nucleus of a family. Right, right. A mother, a father, children that are united together. Um, and the attack, you hear about this, the attack of the nuclear family um, is happening. Yeah. Which is what Kirk was saying. I mean, that's literally the crux of what he's saying mm-hmm. was about the nuclear family, God's design for a family is under attack across the world. Which, yeah, which speaks to like the foundation, like the removal of the found foundational principles, foundational biblical principles being removed. So if you, you take out, it's like, it's like playing Jenga, you know, you take out the bottom piece, the bottom pieces, that thing is going to tip over and scatter into a million pieces, which I feel like is what we're experiencing right now in our country. It's just fractured. It's in a million pieces. Yeah. And everybody's picking up a piece and giving it a name and trying to put it back together. And it doesn't work without the foundation of biblical principles. And for our own, again, sanity, you know, one thing I know, because I've seen it front firsthand, is that you can live in some pretty horrible situations. But with a loving father, loving mother, you can, you can tolerate a lot. Like yeah. you can, my African friends are, are proof of this. Like a husband and a wife who stayed together and raised their kids. It is the best design possible. And you even see it there. There's on a very, very practical level. Woman gets up in the morning. She is, the kids are running for water. She's got the, the beans, you know, steeping. The husband has gone for work. He's protecting him. So in a world that's dangerous, having a, a, a father there that can protect against predators or criminals, a mother there who can then love and nurture the children. You know, they need the hand of discipline. They need the love of the nurture of the, of the mother. Like, it's a perfect way for uh, the maternal and the uh, paternal, the masculine, the feminine is the perfect environment in which to raise children. And that's universally historically true. And even in the Bible, when you see plural marriage happening and people have said, oh, the Bible endorses plural marriage. And the fact is, I don't know how anybody could read how Jacob's life turned out and think, yeah, that's an endorsement for plural marriage. That, mm-hmm. that worked out for him. Misery, deception, betrayal. Like if anything, it's a commercial for why this doesn't work. Like yeah. it do- was not meant to be that way. Jesus didn't say for this reason... Will if uh, a man leave his uh, parents and marry multiple wives, you know, will marry and leave and cleave. Like it's a, a new family is born, a nuclear family is born. And it is the best protection for uh, a world is a family 
the way God designed it. And there's no question that that's why it's been under attack in every culture throughout history. Because if you can destroy the family, you can destroy the world. I was going to ask something you said earlier. Um, you're just talking about sin in general, that the definition of sin, the importance of sin, the, the minimalization of sin in American culture. It's given different names or it's dismissed altogether. Um, this, this line, this gray line of morality that may or may not exist. Those aren't, these aren't the type of conversations you're having about sin in say Uganda or Haiti. No, no. nobody there is going, man, I had a really, really, really rough childhood and and that's why I killed somebody and you should, uh, you should forgive me because I was mistreated. Um, you know, it's very, very black and white for them. Um, I actually kind of miss a long form, maybe is a better word. The, the pure purity of their beliefs of believing that, no, it's just, it's God's word. It's, it's true. Um, they don't need somebody to show them that, you know, on a whiteboard, this is why it's, why it's true, why it's better. Um, and so I, I actually, I really appreciate that. Uh, and they look at us in America and it's one of the reasons why right now, like Kenya, Uganda, you know, these reporters, I was wondering when this was going to start, but reporters are starting to go after these government leaders and asking them to make statements about, uh, equity and inclusion. Yeah. And, you know, Kenya, Uganda, um, they're all saying the same thing. No, this is, this, we're not going to, you don't bring your values to us. It's, it's, it's why Obama, President Obama, uh, first time I ever went to Uganda, I'm going through uh, customs and, and the guy goes, oh yeah, USA, Obama, you know, because they all thought he was from Kenya too. Uh, <laughs> they genuinely did. They're like, he's from our, he's one of us. Um, but uh, five, six years, seven years later, you know, he makes a trip to Uganda and... 30,000 pastors, 25,000 pastors signed a letter telling them to go home. Wow. Uh, don't bring wow. your morality here because President Obama, and I know for he, he did it for a fact that he was doing this all over the world. If you do not change your definition of marriage, we will cut off funding. It happened in the Dominican when I was with, mm. there with Bob and Dana Gresh a few years back. We will, there, uh, the U.S. Um, ambassador to the Dominican, openly gay, lived with his husband. Uh, his mission there was to get the Dominican to change their definition of marriage. And if you do, then we will help you financially to fight sex trafficking. If not, wow. we will pull the money for that we've been using to help you fight sex trafficking. And they did. And uh, the Dominican was like, take it, go home. And the Dominican then en- engaged with local churches, to, which is why I was there. We were there uh, at an event helping to fight sex trafficking because Dominican is beautiful. And that's one of the, was what makes it such a hot spot for sex trafficking is that with that much poverty, Man. anyway, anyway, but back to Uganda. Yeah. The, the, nobody's arguing or debating these things. If anything, they're looking at the United States right now. In fact, CNN, I, you know, is one of the, as impotent as they are in America, nobody's watching CNN in America. Like, no, no, their numbers are, have just completely bottomed out. Yeah. I mean, it's nuts globally airports all over the world, like CNN, I don't know if it's still this way because I've not seen it since pandemic days, but 
every airport from Morocco to Madrid had CNN playing in there. So they look at that and think this is what America is. And even us in America are looking at this going, uh, Don Lemon, that is not what America is. And even I even recall the the Putin statement from a few months ago where he even called out American culture. Yes. How it's destroying families. Like <laughs> Vladimir Putin of Russia yes. is in a speech while, while he's in the middle of this war, calls out America for, and this is what he said, quote unquote, look at what they do to their own people, the destruction of families, of cultural and national identities, and the perversion that is child abuse all the way up to pedophilia is advertised as normal. And think about it from, here's a, 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 you know, not exactly a moral guy. Right. Right. Um, But at the core of, and this is true of Osama, it's true of Putin. um, They looked at our culture, not based on what, quote unquote, flyover states or or like, you know, at least half of the country. They're looking at it from a Hollywood perspective. They were looking at it from uh, legacy media and and continue to look at it. I say, obviously, past tense for Osama since somebody blew his head right off his shoulders. But when you look back to 9-11, they would talk about the big Satan and the little Satan. And it was about uh, it being like Babylon, uh, a den of wickedness and perversion and... um, so radical Islam looks at us, it looks at the same thing with it. You know, it would like to, you know, mop us, you know, the wickedness off the, the planet. Um, now, of course, using wickedness to take care of wickedness is not a good way to, uh, to go. But it's at the core of who it is, thousands and thousands of years of human history. The, it, it combined with the data from psychological studies, whatever, the, the, the core of a nuclear family has always been a sign and a, a, for success. And it's something, you know, in America where we're not allowed to talk about that in many cities like Chicago and in, in black culture, black history, the, the loss of fathers. It's one of the major differences, by the way, in Haiti that I've never discussed before because I don't know 100%. But anecdotally speaking, the amount of men that would sleep with multiple women so you end up with a girl that thinks and she's not a loose woman she's just got this is a a chance for somebody to provide for he loves her and leaves her and leaves her with a parting gift of a little boy or a little girl and before long she's 25 got five kids from three different men that's normal there completely normal and their culture is a disaster yeah Uganda that is abnormal like interesting the core families in Uganda and Kenya are it's still a man and a wife, you know, uh, fighting for their families. And so you, do they have struggles? A hundred percent. But if you've been to Uganda and you've been to Haiti, you know the difference. And, you know, it's it's almost like Haiti has felt a little bit like an inner city here in America where um, the fathers have been absent. And by the way, that's not just in black culture. In white people... You know, the father stays for a little bit, then they divorce and get remarried and say something really stupid like, well, the kids will be okay. Like, no, they're not going to be okay. Yeah. Um, I know that there are extenuating circumstances and I I hate because if someone inevitably is going to be, oh, you're painting with a broad brush and, you know, there was a reason why I got divorced, whatever, good. So that being said, I can tell you with a certainty that there have been many couples that I have sat with 
And one or the other will say something along the lines of, you know what, it's time for me to live for me now. I've been living for someone else my whole life. Time for me to live for me. The kids will be okay. I don't love him anymore. I don't love her. I don't, you know, and don't push through and don't fight. And in, in doing so, you know, are destroying the nuclear family in the church as well as in, in America. Do you, have you noticed a pattern for an age for when, when, uh, marriages start using that language? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. What, what is yours? Well, I, I was going to say either age or duration of marriage. It's duration of marriage. Yeah. I was going to say 15 to 20 year mark. 15 years. Yep. Is when th- some of that starts just from my experience of talking to other couple couples, yep. counseling, Somewhere in there, they start reevaluating their current life situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's these uh, stereotype tropes, you know, the seven years, the ten, whatever. But I, I noticed this trend over the last 13 years, and it's generally speaking about 15 years in. And it's this is, and by the way, I'm about to stereotype the heck out of this, but this has been a very common experience. A guy who says. Uh, I just can't take this anymore. I'm, I want to live for myself now. Um, I don't love her anymore. And if you go back to the beginning of their marriage, um, you'll see a guy who did what he thought he was supposed to do, which is just defer to her, let her take um, charge of the, the money, take charge of the house, take charge of all the decisions. Um, what color do you want to paint the walls uh, without, and he's just doing what he thinks he's supposed to do. But in reality, what he isn't doing is leading his home. He's not pastoring his home. And so there's a reason why Ephesians says, husbands love your wives like Christ loves the church, right? That is a, a love that is sacrificial. It's laying down your life, but it doesn't say to the wife, love your husband. It says, respect him. Respect is earned. It's not given. And so what seems to be the thing is that you've got a husband who says he doesn't love her anymore and she doesn't respect him and maybe they neither of them have language for it. Now, they, by the way, you can push through that. It takes a, it takes a minute and it takes some commitment, but you can push through that hundred percent. And on the other side of it is amazing. We've got, you know, people in our own circles that I thought, you know, six, seven years ago, wow, this is going to be, this is going to be hard. Um, but they, uh, if you push through it, and step into your role as a, as a, as a leader, as a father. And by the, you can't, you know, there's a new sheriff in town, you know, cause the weird thing, especially in the wife is that what she really wants is for him to lead. But 15 years in, she's kind of likes not having that. So she, sure. what she needs and what she wants are two different things. So it kind of drives this wedge of where she doesn't want to, she wants to let go. She wants him to lead, but she wants him to lead only where, where she wants him to lead. And then she wants to lead the rest of it. So it becomes very blurred, but through communication, through pushing through, you know, I, you know, I can tell you somewhere that was my experience with our, my wife and my, you know, we were somewhere around the 15 year mark and I'm so happy to say we never talked about divorce. We never sat down. I didn't say, I don't love you anymore. None of that ever happened with us. But that, when I look back and identify that was, you know, Shannon would be like, yeah, I want to paint the, I want to paint this room, this color. Like, don't care. Whatever you want. Honest to God. I love it. You don't have to, what she took to me is I don't care, you know? And, and I, and I didn't, didn't care about the paint, but what she was hearing was, I don't care about you. Uh, and what you think, uh, what she thinks. And so learned that one, uh, 15 <laughs> years ago now. Um, 
But yeah, I think it's 15 years. It's, it seems to be the number. Sometimes a little bit longer, sometimes a little bit shorter, but right around there. If you're feeling restless right now in your marriage and you're 15 years in, uh, you're not alone and, uh, and don't quit. Fight for it. Fight for it. Do the work. 100% fight for it. Fight for each other. Yeah. Another tiny little pattern that I've noticed too, and, and this is this is a little interesting, and I'm curious your take. But um, I've noticed that on the flip side, when women are getting restless and they perhaps want to leave their husbands, I've noticed a pattern that they're leaving their husbands for other women. That is a thing yeah. that is happening in our American culture, happening in American churches. Mm. More so than a guy leaving for another guy. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Like it's happened. I know of a few marriages mm -hmm. and boy, that's a, but that's a whole other, it's a whole other podcast, <laughs> but, but it goes back to this. That is the definition of sin, right? Like it's basically my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're on, you know, in, in heaven as it is on earth. Like I want my will done, not yours. And uh, Jesus's laws, again, they're not arbitrary. They're not capricious. You can do that and you're going to literally break your children's hearts. You're going to break your own heart. You're going to cause destruction in, you know, tens of thousands of dollars worth of therapy work for your kids just so you can, uh, you know, Judas up your family, you yeah. know, betray your family, betray... Yeah. Ultimately, God, which is what the the point of the Sunday thing was, is that betrayal is a sin, but all sin is a betrayal. Like all sin good. is a betrayal of God and Jesus and what He did for us. Yeah, it's a betrayal for the the price that was paid, the whole plan that was put in place, the 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 operation rescue that He put into place to to save us from ourselves. And so when we when we do sin, when we willing willingly go about these things it is an absolute judas moment for our own hearts yeah betraying jesus in that way yeah because when you when you dissect what a betrayal is i did cover this on sunday but it's purposeful and it's personal uh purposeful meaning that i you know i didn't just you know someone had an affair i, I you didn't just slip and Right. accidentally like fall on top of her. Like that wasn't right. how that happened. That there was a series of decisions mm -hmm. that you willingly and purposefully made. Um, and it, so it, it's betrayal is a purposeful thing. Uh, and then the second thing is it's personal, meaning that if you, someone saying mean things about you or me on Twitter or whatever, that's not a betrayal. I don't know them. They don't know me. It might hurt my feelings, but it's not a betrayal. It's right. not, Cause it's not personal. I don't owe them anything. They don't owe me anything. But betrayal is when there's, there's an, oh, I owe you something, you owe me something, and I didn't do it. I passed it off onto what I owed to somebody else, or I just passed it off and slid. And that's why all sin is betrayal, because we owe Jesus everything. And so to say, hey, Jesus, you can have this part of my life, but this little secret part, this little high place, I want to keep this one all for me. That's a betrayal of what Jesus, the, because Jesus didn't say, I'm going to get mostly crucified. I'm, I'm going to mostly die and mostly be resurrected. And no, it was all, all in. And so we owe him everything. You know, it's not a negotiation. It's not like I get to say, okay, Jesus, uh, you make me happy here. I'll, I'll do the rest over here. 
it's, he didn't give us that option and it doesn't work that way anyway. Like if ultimately, if I, if I stick to the high places, I stick to, you know, my own way here, it will come back and haunt me. Jordan Peterson, um, 30 year clinical practice in psychology says that, uh, the one thing that he's seen in his entire practice is that it always comes back. Always. There is no such thing as a little sin that doesn't come back. You will, if you trace its steps, this decision ultimately will find its way out some way or another. It might be tomorrow, it might be in 10 years or 20, but it's coming out one way. There will, There is no such thing as you getting away with. I think that's his exact language. You don't, nobody gets away with anything. It's always going to come out. The Bible says that, right? Like this, again, this is just Peterson extrapolating a biblical principle without realizing that's what he was doing. But your sin will find you out, Period. Not God being a buzzkill. I think it's Jeremiah one that says that Israel it was their own backsliding that hunted you down. Mm. You know, it wasn't God that hunted them down? Your own backsliding hunted you down. You made these decisions. This is your bed that you are now lying in. We've covered a lot today. Um, and and, and we really did, didn't we? Yeah. You know, Moe's leprosy, Kirk Cameron, <laughs> like <I'm> just, <laughs> oozing. Parents, listen up. Pour into your kids, love on them, teach them, be an example, lead the way, be a role model, go the extra mile. Um, all of those things really do add up over time. And um, husbands, wives, do the hard work, live selflessly, fight for your spouse, love on them, um, just do the work. And I, I just hope that you found some encouragement in 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 this passage and the teaching from Sunday and this podcast. Um, that that you're you know inspired to maybe for at the very least take inventory of your own heart um, after this and through the rest of this week um, and draw closer to him. This week we're going to continue in our series. Um, actually, no, we have a guest speaker. We have a guest speaker this week, John Breland, our good friend, Pastor John Breland from Mobile, Alabama, South Coast Church. He's going to be visiting, speaking this week. Excited for that. Um, they've been an integral part of our mission over the past several years. John and I go back a very long ways. Um, his father is Roger Breland, who has the uh, bragging rights of making more Christian vocalists cry than anybody else in America. Like his, uh, his group Truth was the farm for wow. everybody from Little Big Town to point of you know, uh, Avalon for him all came out of his group. Wow. Truth. And there's, right. and that list is long. Carrie Underwood's bass player, uh, Alicia, Alicia Childers' husband, Mike, like he was in truth yeah. anyway. Uh, but this is John, his oldest son. And John, uh, we planted churches about the same time and we have been there. Uh, w- one of their main mission partners over the years, they've single-handedly financed our Bible school in uh, in Haiti, when I asked, you know, if anybody was crazy enough to go with me to Haiti last year or two years ago, when it was just starting to get nuts, John was ready to go. <laughs> uh, which I later I thought that was really dumb because he, if he's, they're going to choose who they're going to kidnap, he's like six foot five, six foot six. They're going to they're going to kidnap me because yeah, he didn't. He, you. Yeah, he's not going to fit anywhere. <laughs> like I can't put him in their truck. So they're going to anyway. Uh, realize later I need to get guys that are smaller than me. We'll that's right. Next time and richer than me. But anyway, well. 
Yeah, so we're looking forward to that this weekend. And if, if you want to learn more about what we're doing at Conduit Mission, we, we don't always mention this, but conduitmission.org, all the information is there for the different ministries, the different um, mission moments that we are working through across the country. And of course, conduitchurch.com. 